1: Hello tennis fans and welcome to episode 22 of The Passing Shot. Please take your seats quickly ladies and gentlemen,
0: thank you. Hello and welcome to The Passing Shot, your tennis catch-up podcast with myself, Kim, the self-confessed Queen of Clay, and Joel, the Wandering Wildcard. So today's episode is a little different in that we have a very special guest joining us to chat all things tennis, with a focus on where you can watch all this season's action. We're very excited to welcome Lee, otherwise known as Tennis on Telly on Twitter. Uh, Welcome, Lee, to the podcast. How are you doing today?
2: I'm great. Thanks very much for uh, having me on the podcast.
0: No, it's a pleasure. Welcome. Welcome along. Very pleased to have you on the show. So let, let's begin. Um, as we've said, you're quite present on on Twitter as Tennis on Telly. Um, we've got quite a lot of followers, so I'm sure many of our listeners uh, will be aware of you already. But I wonder if we could just start by kind of you telling us a bit about how you how you got into tennis. Have you, have you been a fan for, for a long time? Whenever I think about
2: um, how long I've been a tennis fan for, for, I surprise myself that I've actually been into tennis longer than I thought I was. To me, it feels new, but it's actually not. And the first big win that I can remember watching was um, Sharapova's win at Wimbledon in 2004, um, Mm. which was for that year, that was the year that I quit university and sort of entered the adult world properly. So suddenly found myself with, with time to actually watch tennis. Um, yeah, that was when I really got into it, but um, it still took me a while to sort of realise there was more to tennis than just Wimbledon and, and the big tournaments in the UK. So um, probably another probably six or seven years until I really got into tennis properly. But yeah, I mean, it, it sort of drew me in because it's uh, I like it because it's an individual sport and, and the players have to put so much into it, and I think that's what sort of attracts me to tennis. But yeah, it, t- it took me a little while to get properly into tennis and, and realise how you know just how much tennis is actually out there.
0: Yeah, I can definitely relate because I was the same. I just started by watching Wimbledon, and then from that, I, you know, I realised that it went on three, you know, basically almost 365 days of the year. So, do you have any particular kind of players that you're like more partial to, or do you watch kind of? men's women's any doubles like what's your kind of preferred part of the tennis world
2: (laughs) okay so i mean andy murray was a really big draw into tennis as i'm sure many tennis fans in britain it's it's the same so andy murray would be my favorite player on the on the atp tour naomi osaka is my current favorite player on the on the WTA tour I, I followed her really from sort of when she started and and it's great to see you know just what she's achieved over the last yeah. few years other yeah. players that i'm really into carl edmund i know that you're a big carl edmund fan and um uh, more recently um alex de Minure, ash barty Junior bouchard i've always had a, a bit of a soft spot for like by default the british players have always had my support i i follow them probably more closely than than other players because of the nature of running the tennis on telly stuff got a bit of a soft spot for the, for the Brodies. Um, I think they both need to find a bit of some, some, some form, um, at the moment, but, um, really like watching, um, Liam and Naomi and, and seeing what they do. Um, and I think we've got some really strong doubles players in Britain on the ATP side. So I really like watching JB Murray. Um, Joe Salisbury's a really good player that I, I recently have, have, have got into watching. Um, do like watching the doubles as well. So though you know, it gives you a bit of a flavor of, of, of some of the players that I like, but you know, I, quite happily watch most players <laughs> you know there's yeah. I really dislike watching um, so, you know you get some fans who are really not will, will avoid watching certain players no that's, that's not the case
0: with me really Oh, no, you're, you're a very fair fan. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> and do you, do you get out to see much? Uh, do you get out to see much live tennis as well? I mean, yeah, whereabouts I mean, are you based?
2: Um, I'm based here in Birmingham. Um, so okay. I have a WTA tournament just down the road, which I've been to every year since 2011, whether that's just a day or, or the full week. Also been to a lot of the other tournaments around Britain, so Queens, Eastbourne, Nottingham. The ATP Finals have been to um, pretty much almost every year since about 2012. Uh, oh great! Yeah, to, no, it's um, we're
0: very lucky, aren't we? Challenges.
2: Okay. Yeah, we're quite lucky that we we have um, quite a lot of tournaments in the country. So I've been to a couple of challenges. Um, went up to Glasgow last year for the new challenger there. Been over to Loughborough for the challenger there. I've Been to a couple of, sort of like ITF tournaments: uh, Nottingham, Shrewsbury. Also been to the French Open, went there a couple of years ago, watched Kyle Edmund lose to Kevin Anderson in five sets in the baking pot sunshine. Um, And then last year went to um, Luxembourg, went on a bit of a road trip to Luxembourg and then on to Antwerp. So got to watch Kyle, didn't see him win the final, but to watch sort of his run to, to winning his first title. So that was a really good experience. Um, and then this year, I'm going to go to the Fed Cup next week, try and get into Wimbledon finally because I've never managed to get myself into Wimbledon. So that's an aim for this year. Also, plan to go to the Geneva Open in May and perhaps somewhere else abroad later in the year.
0: Oh, brilliant. I, I, that's great that you, you've you literally been to so <laughs> many tournaments. I love that. I mean, I, I think it's great when you can combine like tennis and travel. Mm. And, and um, yeah, the Fed Cup's exciting. You know, it's the first time we've had it for so many years so that that'd be great and you know hopefully yeah, and we'll be able to pull really off a good performance I think my favourite
2: one's probably Nottingham because it's a mixed event. Brass is my favourite surface. Nottingham's got really good facilities. You get close access to the players. And a little bit of a fact that you may not know, uh, Nottingham is the only tournament outside of the Grand Slams uh, where Eurosport actually does its commentary on the site. So you get to see the commentators, uh, or you can meet the commentators who are working on on the uh, tournament there at Nottingham, whereas for the other tournaments that Eurosport cover and a lot of the ones that BT Sport cover they're doing it from their base in London it's a bit of a, a bit different at Nottingham. I don't know what um, Yeah. yeah. They really, that... really want to see the sights
1: of Nottingham then, I, I imagine. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, I'm sure, I'm sure it's a contractual or it's, you know, some technical reason. Um, but that that's quite good um, that you get, you get access to, that, that they get access on site rather than doing it from sort of some basement in uh, some studios in London or wherever. Um, yeah. When I'm at home, I try and watch most of the finals of all of the tournaments on the tour if I can. So watched, um, I didn't want manage to watch all of the, the finals that took place today but did watch um, Dan Evans in his challenger final today I used to find that I used to watch a lot more ATP than WTA until about three years ago and now it's kind of switched the other way around I'm more likely to watch WTA than ATP but I mean I generally try and watch a bit of both most weeks mm. um, because of, of work and other commitments I don't tend to manage to watch much early in the week but you know semi-finals
0: and final, final watch
1: yeah. the main bits <laughs> yeah so kind of building mm. on that obviously watching tennis mm. on tv you obviously kind of set up on twitter tennis on telly account now can you just give us some more information on the background of that when did you start it what were the reasons behind it yeah just give us a, an overview of that Okay,
2: so so what it does is basically if people don't follow it, the idea of it is to give people information on where they can watch tennis on TV or online in the UK. Um, There's a bit of an emphasis on British players, mainly because that's kind of what people want to know and that's what i found that people were asking is where can I watch Andy Murray, where can I watch Joe Conta, how can I watch Jay Clark in A Challenger, for example. The Twitter account is supported by a website, tennisontelier.uk. I put loads of information on there. Um, I do a weekly roundup on a blog post on there with what's coming up for the following week so this week looking ahead towards the coverage for the fed cup and some of the atp tournaments that are taking place this week i've been doing it since the beginning of 2016 mainly because i sort of got into tennis twitter in 2015 um and it was one of the things that i saw that was coming up a lot that people were always asking well how can i watch this where do i where can i find this match or who's covering this and i thought why isn't this like one place where this information is easily available So I started off simply by putting things into a a Google Calendar and setting them up to automatically um, tweet when the programme starts. So that stuff's still going today. Um, For a long time, I've had a slightly sort of geeky interest in how television works behind the scenes and got really interested in how tennis broadcasting works behind the scenes. It's got to the point now where I can probably identify most commentators um, just by their voice, so switch on the match, and they don't even need to to have introduced themselves, and I can kind of work out... I could kind of know instantly who that is. Um, I was wondering if you guys had any sort of favourite commentators that you like to listen to when you're watching TV or when you're watching tennis on TV or if you prefer to watch it without commentary or what your thoughts were on, on, on commentary.
0: I, for me, I, I like it when you get recent players, uh, like recently retired yeah. players, giving their verdicts. Okay. I just think they're a bit more like up to date. Like Leighton Hewitt, I think, is a really good mm-hmm. commentator. I enjoy um, it when Andy's done a bit or um, like Andy Roddick as well. Um, I
1: think, oh yeah, for me, I really like Jim Courier. I think he's him on him and Mark Petchy on ITV for the French Open coverage. I really, I think that's a really strong uh, combination. Uh, I think Jim Courier is very articulate when he's when he's doing his commentary.
0: I think they're better than yeah. the some of the old kind of guard on the BBC, you know, Andrew Castle mm-hmm. and John Lloyd. I find their facts can be a bit dodgy sometimes, <laughs> but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I guess I, I don't... Yeah, I, I normally listen to it with commentary, but unless, uh, I don't know, sometimes if I'm trying to do something else or, you know, I might turn it down or... But mm. but it's nice to hear the balls being hit, isn't it? So,
2: <laughs> I wondered if you'd heard any of Laura Robson's commentary that she'd done recently for for BT or, you know, recent players. Um, Sam Graff, I know, has done a, a bit of commentary on the Australian swing. I wondered if you'd heard any of that or and had any opinions on on their commentary
0: or... I haven't myself. I know Laura Robson mm-hmm. was doing it, but I hadn't. I didn't actually watch any of that because I don't have. Okay. Was well, she doing BT Sport? I don't. I don't have that. So, yeah.
2: um, I, th- I thought. I thought Laura Robson was was quite good in complimenting in complimenting the the, the sort of traditional commentator. I think she was mostly on with Chris Bradham. Um I thought they did quite well uh, sorry that she did quite well Um, on the commentary Uh Sangroff as well he had a lot of knowledge and, and was really really good to listen to a couple of other of my favourites um, Annabelle Croft one of my big favourites Um, I like listening to Annabelle's commentary I think she's very insightful she really does a lot of research uh, sat behind her at, in Birmingham and could see the amount of notes that she got Um, was kind of overwhelming because hmm. um, she was doing the on-court not, not the on-court interviews but she was doing um Television interviews after the like before and after the matches. Um, although the commentary itself wasn't in Birmingham, she was. So you know, it's good to see that someone does a lot of research in there. I think I think it's quite obvious sometimes when commentators don't do that research. Um, you know, yeah, not to yeah, they really have
0: to know their really stuff, don't they? Yeah, I don't. Really yeah. single anyone out particularly, but John <laughs> does not do any research. Clearly, oh, um. he just relies <laughs> on the name. Exactly. <laughs> so. so um, <laughs> all of the everything that you've set up um I think it's absolutely fantastic because I myself Mm. have have was that person on Twitter many years ago trying to watch a match you know on the other side of the world and like where do I watch it you know um is this Mm. something it must take quite a bit of like time and and effort you know for you to to kind of collate all this information so like do you do this alongside your regular day job
2: or yeah so
0: I, I have a I have
2: a regular day job which luckily for me is quite flexible so I can vary my hours and I can, you know, I tend to book the, the whole of the, like the slams offers leave. You know, it's, 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 I'm quite fortunate in that, that respect. Um, in terms of sort of setting up the, the information and doing the research, um, I have some sort of software which sort of grabs TV listings up to a month in advance, depending on which broadcaster it is. So, for example, for BT Sport, I, I pretty much get their listings a month in advance. Um, for um, Eurosport, it's a little bit shorter notice. Um, for for like ITV and, and BBC, when they do the and the coverage that they do, it's it's probably two to three weeks worth. So every now and then, it'll pick up on something that in advance of the actual broadcast themselves publicizing it so for example there's um an interview that sue barker's doing with uh, billy jean king that's aired next week i haven't seen any publicity for that anywhere but i know that it's going to be on next friday night so it's quite good when you see stuff but this this software sort of searches the listings for keywords so i can put in tennis atp various players names and it'll sort of flag up when those um broadcasts are on and then it's literally just a case of just clicking and copying it into the Google Calendar, which then updates the Twitter feed automatically um through some That's great. Um
0: that's so your list (laughs) your followers yeah (laughs) so your followers actually by following you are kind of getting a sneak preview like if you're you know you know stuff like that documentary before it's actually going to be (laughs) publicized so yeah exactly yeah if i
2: know that that stuff's coming i'll usually put a tweet out and say oh um you know like for example naomi brody's going to be on a question of sport which you know she was a couple of weeks ago i think i probably knew that about two weeks before it was happening and before naomi herself even like tweeted that she knew when it was going to be on tv i'd already tweeted Ah. before then I get various emails for press releases and things like that keeping on the newspapers um and in terms of sort of keeping things running i do a big check of everything weekly so usually on a tuesday because that's when the tv listings get updated and it's the day after the entry lists come out um so they're normally available publicly available by tuesday so on a on a tuesday i'll do one big check and then i'll probably do like a, a daily check every sort of um, every day which takes about five minutes which is just sort of setting up some automation for the the, the um the matches that are taking place the next day um, and then there's some things which are completely automated so like for example when it says this match is coming up next on this channel that's completely automated from a feed that um, is run by another company and that kind of is about 90% perfect. So some of that automation costs a little bit of money so I have um, a donation page and um, I raise some revenue through some links to Amazon and things like that. Um, so that's sort of where that money goes. Um, occasionally, I'll get tips from followers. Um, I have a few followers that help out occasionally um, when I can't. And then sort of at the end of the season, I start looking ahead to the next one, make sure I've got all the details right for next year. Um, you'll see... That I did an article in December detailing all of the different broadcasters and what they're showing um, this year and the cost of it. And I try and include things like free trials and what's the minimum period that you need to subscribe to get everything that they offer. And then sort of overall, how much it's going to cost you to watch tennis for the next year. And then ultimately it's up to the reader to then decide what they
1: want to subscribe, to, uh, what what they want to
2: subscribe to.
0: Yeah, so it's up to them whether they want to invest. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's a really useful kind of tool to see. How much, you know, uh, tennis can cost, um, you know, mm. as a subscription, like in terms of a sport, as opposed to a, like a channel kind of focus. Mm. Yeah. What? Um, so, what kind of channels do you kind of operate on? Is it just Twitter? Uh, I know you have a website. Is it just kind of? Is Twitter your main output? Would you say or?
2: Yeah, yeah. Twitter's the main one. So the majority of the information, the most detailed information, I put out on Twitter. Um, I usually do a daily update on Facebook as well, which just basically says what is going to be broadcast the next day. Um, And then the website is um, updated with a weekly post with what's coming up the next week um usually in a bit more detail in terms of what british players are playing um who's the top seed who won it last year um where you can watch that on and what times it's on on a daily basis but then sometimes things change because of rain delays or whatever so the the most up-to-date information is always on twitter um and then also on the website i have um, a page which details the broadcasters and what rights they have to various things um and then on the main page on, on the website is sort of what's on this week and next week and then looking a bit further forward ahead.
1: Yeah, it's interesting you talk about the broadcasters, because I think there's a lot of different channels that have tennis on and it can get it can get quite confusing, I think, for you know, the you know, the average fan. And it's great to have like a, a service like yours that almost kind of lays it out very simply which tennis player is on what channel do you have any thoughts on kind of yeah the kind of tennis on telly landscape at the moment because we've seen that kind of you know amazon prime have come in bt sport it's going less away from sky sports i just wondered if you have any any views on that
2: yeah well the way i see it, you have a, a two-tier system um which is quite similar to a lot of other sports so you have uh tennis tv for your atp and wta tv for the wta tour and that is all that they cover is those two tours and in the broadcasting world these are what are called over-the-top services in that they're run by the sport themselves and they sell directly to the viewer at home without having a platform such as sky or cable between them i think it's better than it used to be um tennis tv used to have a lot of geographical uh, restrictions for the british events so you couldn't for example watch queens on tennis tv in the uk because there was another rights holder that had that um that's no longer the case and there are fewer of those geographical restrictions around the world now um there's a couple of events that wta tv don't um, show um, because those events have existing um, contracts with local producers so um, for example Quebec is one of those and Nottingham is one of those Um so they're not on WTA TV but local broadcasters show them and then it's up to the individual companies such as um, BT or Amazon Prime for example or Sky Sports as it would have been in the past to buy those separately rather than buying the been as part of a package of the full tour um but wta tv is in a lot better position now than it used to be sort of three or four years ago because um their production company perform group produced the feed for wta tv and the world feed for the broadcasters and then the broadcasters can then choose what they want to take from that world feed whether they put their own commentary on it or whether they use the world feed commentary um so i don't think it's as bad and as fragmented as it used to be. Um there's certainly more tennis available than ever before with um cameras on almost every tour and every court at a grand slam. Um with for the diehard fans and um, you've got almost everything from those tours in one place on tennis TV. Challenger and, and streams and TV as well. TV. Yeah exactly. Um <laughs> exactly um I think the the lines between those over the top broadcasters and traditional broadcasters is getting blurred, um, so your second tier down from 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 that is your like your WTA on BT Sport and your ATP on Amazon Prime Video um, for the majority of the year, um, but you don't get everything, but you still get a decent amount of coverage. Um, But you might prefer it that way if you're interested in other sports that BT covers or the other benefits that you get from Amazon Prime. I mean, certainly I've um, found that since subscribing to Amazon Prime for the tennis, I'm using that for other things. Um, One of the questions that I often get is why isn't everything all in one place? But... To me, I think it's nice to have a bit of a healthy competition because the broadcasters actually then have to put some effort into making that a quality product, whereas if it was all in one place, you'd have one broadcaster producing absolutely everything. Um, I do worry that the the quality quality might drop and the broadcasters are then not fighting for for your money. So at the moment, they have to provide a quality product. Um, I think Amazon learned that with their US Open coverage last year, where they weren't covering all of the sports at the beginning, which is kind of what viewers, viewers expect when you look at the coverage of other Grand Slams, um, the US Open for the last two years on Sport and on Sky before that. Um, it was disappointing to them not see that, that same sort of level of service replicated by Amazon Prime.
0: Do you think, um, just in a British kind of Wimbledon specific context, do you think with all the, the rise of like Amazon Prime and other competitors that like the BBC's coverage of Wimbledon you know would be threatened going forward or do you think that is kind of set for life because it's such a institution
2: um, not really um Wimbledon' is what's called a protective I- event so at least the finals have to be free to wear at the moment unless there's a huge change in the law Um the BBC have the rights to Wimbledon until until at least 2024 at the moment. Um, I think there would be an outcry if the BBC were to lose their coverage of Wimbledon, even if it was just to a rival like ITV or Channel 4 or Sky. Um, That said, um, Eurosport do have the rights to show daily highlights and the finals live. Um, I think it's good for fans to then have the choice if they prefer a different commentary team. So while you may have Andrew Castle and John Lloyd on the BBC, you might have... Chris Badman um, on Eurosport and Free McMillan um, provide an alternative so I think it is good to have that choice. Um, in terms of a threat from Amazon Prime or other streaming services, I think that's come about a little bit too soon um, live sports, one thing that people still want to watch on a television, and get as close as the action as possible without actually being there. Um, at the moment, there's a delay introduced by streaming, which is too much for many fans. So, especially if you're like trying to follow a match on social media while you're watching it, or yeah, with a scoring app on your phone, you you know it can ruin a match point quite easily if you're watching the match on yeah. the stream and then suddenly your phone, you know, pings that. That one of the competitors has won the match before you've actually seen it in front of you um for me also it's difficult to see how amazon makes a profit on its tennis coverage um it only really works because it's backed by a big business and it's basically a loss leader to get you into using the site for other things um, we have seen examples of small and relatively new streaming companies like um 11 sports struggling um, they've had to hand back their rights for European football and UFC. So um, Amazon only really works because it's got that other business behind it.
0: Oh, absolutely. Um, and just kind of going away from from British tennis, I suppose. Like you, you mm-hmm. mo- mostly focus on like for Brits, like where Brits can mm-hmm. can watch um, can watch tennis. But do you is there like an equivalent source of info for like any international listeners to the podcast where they could? could go on and find out what uh, where they can watch tennis Sorry, in their country
2: yeah um i'd recommend um, a site called tenniswatchers.com for for those listeners who are in the united states um this is run by a guy called tony who does a very similar thing um i don't know of any other sort of website that does what me and tony do um in other countries but if anyone's out there doing something similar you know i'd be happy to hear i'd love to hear from them be happy to link to them
0: yeah, um side. anyone um, yeah, anyone listening in, um you know, please get in touch with with Lee yeah, about uh, about that. <laughs> Be helpful for everyone. And we actually had a listener question um from one of our from one of our listeners on Twitter. Um she's mm-hmm. asking um her name's Liz. She's asking if Tennis TV, she's got the impression that it was just for US audiences, but if that's not correct is it? That's just No, what absolutely you not. used to watch <laughs> ATP from anywhere.
2: Yeah, and a lot of the commentary and production is actually done here in the UK um, for Tennis TV the um, same with WTA TV. Um, it is important not to confuse tennis TV with tennis channel, which is okay. um, a broadcaster in America. So I think sometimes people do get those two confused. Um, so tennis TV is the ATP sort of over the top streaming platform, which is available worldwide. Um, tennis channels, just an American broadcast network who have rights to show various tournaments like the WTA. Um, so they work like BT sport do in the UK or be in sport do across Europe and the Middle East. So, um it's important to make that distinction i think there is sometimes because they're very similar names people
1: do get those two services confused and do you think that you know in the future what what are the chances of kind of a platform service which had atp and wta together so you know if you're a really kind of passionate tennis fan you could watch all the tennis all in one place on one on just one platform do you think that could ever happen or do you think like the chances of that are just very very unlikely um
2: we've kind of moved away from that because you used to have that with tennis tv because it used to be atp and wta tv it's quite clear that the wta um or, or atp didn't want to i think it's probably more the the wta didn't want to be part of that and wanted to do their own thing rather than atv saying we don't want wta on our platform anymore because i'm sure by losing that they probably lost lots of lots of customers um so i'm not sure but i think it's I do think it's probably the way it is now, is probably, the way things are sort of split up now is probably the way it's going to stay for a while Um, the only exception to that being that we'll probably find that when rights come up for renewal for example BT's rights to the WTA um, expire at the end of this year, um, are BT going to renew those rights into 2020 or will we see another broadcaster or another online um, company pick up those rights and, and uh, for the WTA tour, um, but I think Tennis TV and WTA TV will pretty much stay as they are, and it will be only the the, the right the, sort of the broadcast rights will change over time as and when they come up for renewal.
0: Well, I guess if there are any changes, then we know where to find out what's going on, <laughs> and that will be through yourself. So. Um... Yeah, I mean it's it's amazing that, that you know are obviously extremely knowledgeable about uh, tennis broadcasting. Um, and yeah, anyone obviously wanting to to find out how you can watch you know your favorite tournaments, favorite players, then do check mm-hmm. out. Was it tennisontelly.co.uk? Yeah, Doct- tennis on te- UK? It's tennisontelly.uk. So
2: there's no code okay. in there. It's just uk. Um, tennis on Telly on Twitter and on Facebook.
0: Perfect we will put all of that in in the show notes as well on the on the podcast notes if anyone Um, doesn't catch that. I also
2: have I also have an account which is called ITF Live which has links to streams of ITF events. Um, I'm working on a similar one for ATP challengers um, which will automatically tweet links to challenger matches. I've not quite got there yet because it's a bit more complicated than the ITF one was um, but hopefully have that up and running in a couple of weeks. Um, Oh great. wants to sort of follow me personally it's yelnats underscore eel which is my name backwards so y-e-l-n-a-t-s underscore e-e-l and that's you know if you want my personal thoughts on tennis and sort of everything else going on in my world
0: yeah great stuff so going back to kind of tennis in general um obviously we've got the davis cup the qualifiers have have just sort of been taking place this week Uh, i've got the fed cup next week what what do you think about all those changes you know that's taking place in the in the team competitions there's been you know quite a lot going on with that of late what's your take Mm. on that
2: well the davis cup's a difficult one for me because um i don't know if you've ever been to a a davis cup home tie but there is nothing like the atmosphere of a davis cup home tie
0: Um, yeah
2: enough to go to that there was one here in birmingham a couple of years ago um we played japan at home um absolutely nothing like that atmosphere um, it will be a shame to lose that as the finals. Um, you've still got that to some extent in the um, the qualifying round that took place last week. Um, but the chances of uh, Britain getting a home Davis Cup tie, uh, like slashed a, now a quarter of what they used to be. Um,
0: yeah, it's such a I shame. Think it no. to be,
2: yeah, I think it remains to be seen how successful that new format of the finals will be. Um, I do think there'll be some players who will probably sit it out, with it being at the end of the year, straight after the ATP finals. Um, in terms of the Fed Cup, um, I'm going to the Fed Cup in Bath this week. I'm looking forward to cheering on Great Britain. Um, although it's a group stage and not the traditional sort of home and away format, I think it's great for the Brits to be able to host this event um, played on home soil and not in Estonia or Israel or wherever they've played them in the past. Um, in terms of sort of the rest of the calendar, I don't mind sort of minor changes to the calendar. They're always going to take place anyway. Um I don't think we've got enough details on this new ATP Cup that's going to happen next year to sort of make a judgment on it. But for me, it seems a bit of a backward step to replace the Hopman Cup, which I think has proved its popularity every year. Um, with Yeah, the I agree. Event. Um, yeah. I think it will be a shame if there are players that are prevented from playing that because they don't have a countryman that's ranked high enough. For example, Stefanos Tsitsipas. There aren't sort of any high enough ranked other Greeks to play with him to form a team. So that would yeah. be a shame to not have some of those players being able to play, I don't know whether that one that's going to offer ranking points or how that's going to work.
1: Um, it, I think it's all up in the air. Yeah, particularly with like the Olympics as well and like being eligible for mm. the Olympics. It'll be interesting to see, you know, with like, you know, this new iteration of, of the Davis Cup, how, you know, maybe they kind of position it as a way, well, in order to play in the Olympics, you need to kind of represent your country at Davis Cup, whether you like it or not.
2: I think the rules at the moment are you have to have represented your country twice within uh, in between Olympic years. So if you don't represent your country twice, um, then you're not eligible to play for the Olympics. Um, It's the same with the Fed Cup. And I think Caroline Wozniak is sort of fallen foul of that rule this week because she's not going to play the Fed Cup um, tie um, that she was due to play this year. So now that makes then makes her... Uh, ineligible for the Olympics next year um, or oh, sorry, the, ne- the next is it next year, the next Olympic year? It is next
0: year, yeah
2: uh, <laughs> Wow, come back yeah. um, I know So I think they're going to have to make some rule changes there because there are going to be fewer opportunities for players to play Davis mm. Cup um, if there is only a
1: qualifying round and then a finals and kind of moving on, do you, who do you fancy in terms of like the the up-and-coming players? You know, you've, you've spoken out, obviously you're a big Andy Murray fan, Kyle Edmund. Um, are there any other players you've kind of got one eye on in for, for the future? Um, yeah,
2: um, one that I would pick out would be Alex Diminor. I mentioned him previously as um, a player that I that I really enjoy watching and playing. I can see him doing better than some of the other players that have been tipped for success. I love how sort of quick he is around the course and um, I really enjoy watching him play. I've got got a chance to to see him play live in nottingham last year um and it was amazing how fast he is and um, you see it on the tv as well but to see it in person is just you know crazy um i think we've got some great prospects in british tennis with the likes of cam Norrie, who's really great on the clay we don't have a really sort of we've never had a really sort of great clay court player um jay clark and katie bolter are doing really well um as well in, in british tennis
0: so yeah, so it's quite an interesting time, you know, in the tennis world at the moment. Obviously, we've had all the news about Andy Murray and mm. he's recently had, you know, hip surgery again, uh, but seems like, you know, he's he's on his way out, sadly. And we don't really know how long, you know, the rest of the big, big four have. And Serena, you know, how long she's going to be kind of playing at a top level for. I mean, what, what do you, are you like, it's an exciting time for tennis, but I mean, in five years time, for example, what, what do you kind of think is going to be the landscape? Do you think we're going to have, you know, a soccer with 10 slams or Sitsapas being the new like number one in the men's game? And what, what do you think?
2: I mean, that would be fantastic, wouldn't it be? A Sarka with 10 slams. Um, well, she's already got <laughs> two, two, so uh, well, actually, yeah, maybe a bit of two down, down eight ten.
0: to go. Yeah. yeah, there we go. <laughs>
2: um but yeah for me there's there's sort of three big things that i've got quite strong views on on the future of tennis one one something that doesn't really get talked about much and that's i think the tours need to look at the impact of climate change um I think I can see big changes to the tour calendars if things get worse in that respect. Um, For example, it makes no sense for me to play the Australian Open in 40 degrees Celsius heat in January and then have a bunch of indoor tournaments in Europe in October when it's colder down under. You can play indoors at any time. So to me, Mm. if I was in charge of the calendar, I'd swap those over. Um, Secondly, um, I'm yet to find someone happy with the recent changes that have been made to Challengers and ITF tours. Um, There are some players now who can't get into tournaments that they would have done previously. Um, Those that can often make a loss while they're there. I know Leon Smith has been quite vocal about that in terms of how much money um, Dan Evans has got for playing in in, um, the Challenger that he's been playing this week in France. It's barely enough to cover his costs of actually getting there and playing. Um, So I can see some young players who perhaps don't have the funding from their federations, maybe packing it in before they're reaching their potential, Um, because I think it's really important for the sort of younger and lower ranked players to be able to play. After the Fed Cup, I'm going to spend a couple of days in Shrewsbury at the women's 60K event there. Um, I would say to tennis fans around the world, get along to your local challengers and ITF events where it's possible to support tennis at the lower ranks. Um, You asked me about sort of post-Murray and post Serena. Um, Well, tennis isn't always going to be about the big events and the big names. um, And those lower rank guys need every bit of support. And who knows, you might even see a star of the future at one of them. Um, my third one is I don't think wheelchair tennis gets anywhere near the level of recognition it deserves. I've tried to cover mm. wheelchair tennis on the website. I find it a real struggle to find the information about what's going on with wheelchair tennis, um, and often quite miss that. But it's really exciting to watch wheelchair tennis at the Grand Slams. Um, sadly, it's generally the same sort of small bunch of players that play every time um, and away from those grandstands it's pretty much ignored so I think there's a lot of work to be done there in recognising wheelchair tennis and making it more accessible for players um, to get to the higher levels by having larger draws and better publicity and coverage of events like um, the British Open that takes place in Nottingham every year.
0: Absolutely and I think we are guilty as you know ourselves on, mm. on this podcast of kind of only really talking about like the top players and um, but no, it's great that you're kind of championing like every sort of strata of of tennis and you know that that's great and i i do agree with you and also climate change in tennis its one thing i've not really thought about so that's a yeah, really exactly. that's a really interesting perspective and i actually it makes a lot of sense what you said you know why are we going to australia when it's you know at the height of their summer with ridiculous temperatures that's not really good for anyone mm-hmm. um i think that there's definitely more to explore there so to uh, to wrap up today's episode, just a reminder, Lee, if you could um, just give us the details of your social handles one more time uh, for the, for any yeah. listeners, so know where to find you and all your wealth of information.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's at Tennis on Telly, all one word, on Twitter and on Facebook. Um, the majority of information goes on Twitter. Um, Tennisontelly.uk is the website. Uh, loads of information... Those are resources. Uh, the main page has got what's on this week, next week, further ahead. Um, there's a Google Calendar, which you can incorporate into your own Google Calendar if you have that. Um, and you can sort of, so you can see what's coming up on, on TV. Uh, details of all the broadcasters, what they've got the rights to, links to their listings, details on radio, broadcasts and podcasts. Yours is on there. Um, so those that's everything Tennis on Telly um, on Twitter and Facebook and Tennis Perfect. on
0: Perfect. Well, thank thank you so much um right. for sharing your knowledge this evening and and your passion for tennis. It's it's really really great to hear and um I know I'll definitely be using your website to find out um you know how to tune in. So I'm hope hopefully all our listeners will be uh checking it out as well because it's yeah, definitely so much information on there and I think you do a fantastic job. So thank you so much for coming on today That's to great. share all that with us.
1: Yeah, and for all of our Passing Shot listeners out there, we'll be back next time with a regular two-week catch-up post-Australian Open. But for now, please remember to subscribe to us, like us, give us a comment, give us a rating, whatever you like. We want to hear it. We're on all of the podcasting platforms out there, Google, Spotify, iTunes, and also on our social media channels. Don't be afraid to give us a follow on Instagram on Twitter and on Facebook our handle is at passing shotpod and thank you for listening and we'll see you next time Hey guys, Joel here from the Passing Shot. I hope you really enjoyed uh, our latest episode with Lee. We actually got so caught up in the conversation, we forgot to ask him a couple of questions. So rather than kind of deleting them and and leaving them uh, leaving them on my on my computer, we're actually going to play them now for you. So if you have a few more minutes and want to have a listen, there's two more questions that we put to Lee. What's the response been to tennis on telly on social on social media been like?
2: Um, So it was kind of a slow start
1: um, initially, but um,
2: it's been fantastic, especially sort of when things like broadcasting rights change, like... um last year's us open being on amazon prime for the first time um I do you get the odd complaint when things aren't on tv when they're supposed to be or people don't like the commentary that they're listening to things that i really can't do anything about um, and you'll get the occasion i'll get the occasional tweet from someone who really doesn't know how tennis work he works like a gambler who's expecting me to predict the weather or give them a tip um, but most people i think generally understand that that's not what i'm there for um I have a donation um, button on the website um, every now and then. I'll mention that, and, and that's you know, helped to keep the site running. Um, and I get revenue from links to Amazon, which help keep some of the um, automation um, running on Twitter and pay for the website, essentially. Um, the Twitter account's um, been followed by a few TV commentators and journalists and people behind the scenes in tennis, so it's been really great to have their support um, as well as uh, all the other people out there.
0: So Lee, on the website you've got kind of like uh an estimate for what an, a fan would on average spend if they were going to kind of mm. subscribe to be able to watch the majority of tennis for the year. I think it's about 175 pounds. Yes. Um yes. that might seem quite a lot to, you know, uh, quite a quite dedicated tennis fan even. Um I mean mm. is there any kind of what, what what do you think in terms of is, is that an unreasonable cost to pay or is that kind of quite cheap compared to other sports?
2: I mean, ultimately, it's down to the, the person to decide what they want to subscribe to and how much tennis they think that they're going to watch. So um, personally, I don't subscribe to Tennis TV and WTA TV because I think that um, Amazon Prime and WTA TV give me enough tennis throughout the year to be able to watch. That's not to say that sometimes there is the one match that I really wish that I had that service so that I could watch it. Um, but the, in terms of... Um, with if we put tennis tv and wta tv to one side the over the top um the over the top suppliers um it's actually cheaper than last year um with the atp now being on amazon prime um that's cheaper than it was previously having it through sky last year and actually you're getting more coverage from amazon prime than you would have got um, through Sky and the deals that they had. Um, but yes, it is expensive overall um, for any sport, sort of beyond the most popular events that are free to air. Um, so it's no wonder that there are people out there who'd sort of rather watch on betting streams or on dodgy websites. Um, I think the first of those I see as an issue because there's been a gambling problem in tennis. And um, to me, it's hypocritical of the Tours to then accept sponsorship from gambling companies and allow betting sites to stream their matches. Not that you can avoid the adverts for gambling anyway when you're watching sports on TV um the illegal streaming of tv broadcasts i think does nothing to help tennis if you're watching through a dodgy website with a million pop-ups then really should be ashamed to call yourself a fan in my opinion because the sport itself actually gets no benefit from that so that's just my view
0: mm. no that's that's fair enough yeah i mean i've it's uh <laughs> it's tough isn't it when you, you sort of you don't want to mm. pay but you know I, yeah those dodgy websites i don't really touch them with a the barge pole because you just don't know how it? secure or, or they're going to be